0: One ringy-dingy. Two ringy dingy (laughs) Mr. Beagle. It's Leo on the line. (laughs) Morning. Very early. 5.30. Well, 5.23 exactly. One of those mornings where... I was lying in bed for... Two hours. Finally gave up and said... I'm awake, and then everything was tangled. My headphones are tangled. My pajama bottoms are tangled. Everything is tangled. Line seven. Question time. Let's see what's in the hopper.
1: Hey, Leo. It's Abe Martinez. Hey, I remember a while back, you and Stacy Higginbotham and Jeff Jarvis we're talking about uh a little bit about voice acting and uh, doing some sort of voice work and uh you mentioned some uh a website and an application i think one of them was voices doc, voices.com um uh, what i wanted to know is if um if you could expand on that a little bit maybe um uh, Since a lot of us, uh, some of us here on Anchor are interested in voice work, maybe you can give us some advice on your experience and maybe on what you've seen others in, in voice or audio do. Thanks for your time.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I wish I could do some more voice work. It's good money if you can get it. It's also a lot of work my friend uh, jim cutler you know the guy who does our uh, voices on the uh, on the show on twit and he did it for tech tv and it does it for espn and many radio stations he works like a dog he has a studio in his house but he makes i'm sure great money the problem with voiceover work is a handful of people dominate get all the work and it's hard to crack into that group they're in la they're in new york they're in to a lesser degree San Francisco and Austin and other cities Dallas actually Dallas is big but uh, you know you gotta I don't think you. so there's you know there's a woman here in uh, Marin Samantha Paris is very famous does a voiceover uh, classes uh, teaches you how to do it and there certainly is a lot of skill to it skills I don't really even know there's all kinds of voiceover work there's you know and booths announcing for television and radio 56 Degrees, it's time for the news. KGO, News Talk 810. And then there's uh, cartoon voices, <laughs> which is another skill that uh, I don't have, and, obviously. And uh, the people I've talked to, I, I know we interviewed. In fact, you go back to triangulation. This might be a good idea. Like Go back to an earlier uh, triangulation where we interviewed Porky Pig. Let me find that. <coughs> so the original voice of Porky Pig, the amazing Mel Blanc, but Bob Bergen. does it now. And uh Triangulation 122. I interview him. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. I got a terrible cold. I don't know if I got a New York on the plane. I think I got it. I got a massage on Sunday. And the massage therapist was sniffling the whole time. She said allergies. I didn't think so. And I still don't think so. Um, Twit.tv slash TRI122. You can watch it and listen to it. This is the guy who does voices. And he's very good at cartoon voices. (coughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to have to edit these coughs out. (coughs) Uh, Bob Bergen. And he talks a little bit about how he does it. But. It's again. It's a rough business. He got into the business as a kid. He actually just cold called Bell Blank. <laughs> wow. Bob has a bunch of uh, uh, videos on YouTube too, where he where he talks about you know how he does what he does.
1: boy. Okay. So it's four sounds in the word. It's a chair. It's
0: a desk. Now. You make a kind of nasal. Okay. If they the a boy for the third sound, you push it more. If a boy. boy, a bit bit boy chair, a And then you have to put together full sentences. The
2: boy sat in the chair next to the desk. Nobody can do that, and that's when I have job security.
0: And there you have it. Thanks for the question. Hey, Leo.
2: I have a confession to make. I'm calling you from Ireland in a reception area of a college where I teach. And my, my, my request is this. Could, would you consider taking having one of your back office staff slice out portions of content from the different shows in the Twit network where you answer questions and then put those questions using the Anchor Clipper tool into Legos on the Line? I mean, I'd hear stuff about iOS, Google, uh, Xboxes, drones, privacy, just questions answered by Leo or his crew in less than five minutes on the shows. It would be so good. And then put the sting for the show into the answer so that you get more listeners that way. I, rem- I reckon people here don't know all that's in the Twit Network.
0: Well, thank you, Bernie. That's an interesting idea. It's kind of what I'm doing right now, isn't it? Answering questions, but they're questions that come in via Anchor. It's one of the things that's interesting and cool about Anchors. you can do that. Um, we do uh, something called Twit Bits. If you go to youtube.com slash twit, you can see short clips from a variety of shows, more of a promotional nature. We want to do more of that. I think that's a, a really, really uh, good idea. I'm not sure I'd put it in Anchor, but, uh, but I think, you know, YouTube on our website and other places. Thank you, Bernie. Let's do some more.
2: Hello, Leo. I'm somebody who has just discovered you on Anchor. And I don't, I'm not somebody who's been listening to you since 2004 and I'm not somebody who's ever watched you on video, but I have heard your greatest uh, mistake, a delightful piece of audio. I got to it via a guy called Bernie Goldbach, who's here and who um, shared it and who, now, I'm sitting in Irish pub. It's about 11 in the morning, you can hear the background music, and I'm waiting to go to work with a client. Now, I have been doing audio since 2008 uh, using a thing called Audiopoo, I gotta listen to more of you.
0: Thank you Paul, this Bernie was just the question before you. What is it with uh, Anchor in Ireland? That's interesting, and I know Audio Boo. In fact, I uh, I came to Anchor kind of from Audio Boo. I used Audio Boo, now Audio Boom, uh, In back in 2008. In fact, you can, uh, you can still hear uh, those booms or boos, as we call them. I think back then, I gather from listening to them again that uh, the convention in, in the day was that you end every Audio Boo with. The words boo boo. <laughs> I don't think that's and it wouldn't, and that would be boom boom. So I don't know if they still do that. So I have two questions for you. Why is Anchor so big in Ireland? And thank you for listening. And if you want some of the audio booms that I did way back in the day, it's audio boom now, B O O M dot com slash Leo Laporte. And uh, I did, you know, I kind of I tapered off, which this will probably do. Everything I do tapers off. I guess in the end, life tapers off, doesn't it? Uh, but you can go back to uh, our trip I took with my son who was 14 at the time to uh, China and Japan and uh, the little bits of audio that I recorded, which I think, you know, listening back to are kind of fun. And then, uh, for you know, I did a few more after that and then just stopped. <laughs> life tapers off. Bernie, that sounds like a suitably morbid Irish kind of phrased end. Boo boo.
2: Okay, Leo, I have a question for you from uh, Cork in Ireland, and my question is: first of all, uh, where do you live? Uh, and 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 I'm putting an and in, so it's all one long question. And, uh, what experience have you got of Irish people on your radio show, podcast, or video? I think that's the end of the question. Yeah, I want to know more about you, you see. Um and then I'll be better able to frame questions that you might be particularly interested in. Bye for now.
0: Oh, Paul, I feel... I've just caffeinated, so uh, I can answer your questions. <laughs> With, mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. <sighs> That's good. That's good. I, uh, I don't know much about Ireland. I've been to Ireland when I was a kid, in fact, uh, in a very touristic fashion, I've kissed the Blarney Stone, literally. Where, you, you know, you go, there's the Blarney, there's the stone, the Blarney Stone somewhere. It's in Blarney, I think. I don't know where it is. And you lean back over it, right, and you kiss it backwards. And then, I, uh, I think the legend goes, from then on, you'll never stop talking. And it worked. <laughs> you see, it did. So that's not the only thing I know about Irish people, but it's pretty pretty much to the extent of it. My background is, I'm Scottish. Uh, Leo Laporte is really Leo Laporte. That's the French Canadian side, my dad's side. But my mother's my father was Garden Dunlap. And we're Dunlaps from the, uh, the river Dunlap, which is a great river in the middle of Scotland. And that's where I come from. That's my people. So it's right next door, isn't it? So most is, almost is, sort of is. Not exactly. And my other experience with Ireland is that I am listening right now to a very nice reading of Ulysses by James Joyce by a bunch of Irish people. I think they're gathered together in a pub. It might be Bloomsday, I don't know. But I found it on archive.org. And then that got me kind of interested because I'd heard that that was one of the best versions of Ulysses. And it's quite good, but the recording is kind of mediocre. And then, so that got me interested. So then I downloaded another another version of Ulysses. I like Ulysses. So that, I guess I know a little bit about Irish people. At least uh, Irish people from 100 years ago. Anyway. We're in, I'm here in my, uh, in my kitchen right now. It is still early, only 6 in the morning. Still dark out. Very dark uh, and chilly. Well, you might not think it chill. 48 degrees, 47, something. Actually, we might have had a frost. Actually, it might be actually chilly. But here in Northern California, our blood is thin. And what we consider chilly would probably be considered balmy to many. Uh, Petaluma is a small town about one hour north of San Francisco. It was a farming community for many years. It is the northernmost reach of the San Francisco Bay. So as a result, uh, there was a lot of economic activity here in the late 19th and early 20th century. It was kind of a boom town because lumber would come down uh, to Petaluma to be transshipped to San Francisco and other points from the north. Uh, And then, of course, we had dairy farms here, and more importantly, chicken farms here. We call ourselves, uh, uh, well, then, and and I think even to this day, the butter and eggs capital of the world, because we have dairy and chickens. And the chickens actually have an interesting story. They came to Petaluma with uh, Jewish immigrants who were brought here by progressive do-gooders in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, during the czarist pogroms against the Jews they were chasing Jews out, exterminating Jews, it seems to be a common story unfortunately, and uh, do-gooders brought them here to Petaluma but the problem was for the most part these were serfs they had very little skills except agricultural skills so it turned out they could be set up with chicken farms for a low capital cost they were able to do it and as a result we have hundreds of chicken farms and the, the lasting remnant of the chicken farms are these long, 100, fi, 100 foot long, I can use imperial measure with you, right? 100 foot long, 30 meter long chicken coops. They're, they're wood, they're wood frame structures on stilts because the chickens sit in the coops and then the waste goes underneath. Fortunately, in the 100 years intervening, the odor from the waste has diminished although I understand the soil is quite rich in those areas. I actually lived in a house where we had two of the chicken coops. The problem is because they're simple wood frame structures over the years, many of them have tumbled down. So you'll see all over a collapsed chicken, giant collapsed wooden chicken coops. I'll have to take some pictures and post them. And then in a few cases, our case was one, we had one dilapidated one and one Uh, when we lived out in the country that uh, we restored and had a beautiful floor and it was a nice long, uh, pretty much useless barn. Uh, I don't think I put anything in there except uh, one Christmas we gave Henry, when he was about eight years old, a drum kit. And that turned out to be a very suitable place for him to bang on those skins without bothering the rest of the world. So Petaluma is a, was a very rural kind of ranch community, but because of its proximity to San Francisco over time, uh, commuters moved up here. There was a very famous court case in the 70s. Petaluma had a no-growth ordinance. They wanted to stay a small town of about 10, 20,000 people, and uh, they were sued, and it went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that Petaluma could indeed have a no growth ordinance. Sadly and ironically, a few years later, they abandoned that ordinance at Petaluma's east side, which was all farms turned into uh, a massive housing development and the population tripled, and <laughs> it's very sad. Even though they won that case, we all lost in the long run. Uh, we live uh, out, still out in the country a little bit. We have about a little under three acres I have no, money, no idea how many hectares that would be. Uh, what, I don't even know what a hectare is. But it, it's three acres. And uh, most of that unused oak trees, beautiful old uh, oaks. Uh, they call them live oaks because they don't drop their leaves. And they're really more, they almost are like a holly. They're prickly leaves. They're live oaks. Beautiful hundred-year live oaks. <clears throat> and at one point, somebody in California imported eucalyptus trees from Australia and of course they went wild. So we have quite a few eucalyptus. They're used along the ridge lines to break the wind. And we have a little hill behind us that has uh, is lined with uh, eucalyptuses. very old eucalyptus. Eucaly- eucaly- you know what I'm saying. But the 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 that's all, folks.